Good morning. You guys doing all right? All right, one person is. That's cool. Um, We'll be in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 this morning. And just to kind of catch you up, it's, it feels like forever since we've been in this book, okay? We've been going verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and then summer hit, right? And summer got crazy and wild. And so we're going to finish up this week and next week. And I want to give you a little recap before we got started, because just like, you probably don't remember what you had for breakfast yesterday. In fact, some of you are trying to think about that right now, and it's becoming difficult. You're like, I don't know, man, I should know that. I mean, some of you might not remember what you had for breakfast a few minutes ago, okay? Some of you are like, oh. I didn't eat right now, man. So uh, I forgot to eat this morning. So if you're like me, and and I I imagine you might be, you might have forgotten where we are. So let me give you a little recap. And so here's what happened. Paul's writing this church in Philippi. He loves this church. This church he planted, and then he left. And as he was leaving on his missionary journeys to to take the good news of Jesus other places, he ends up getting arrested, and he's in Rome. So this is known as a prison letter. So he writes this letter from prison to this church. This church has sent a man by the name of Epaphroditus, good dude, bad name, and he sent this guy to, the church had sent him to bring a gift. Well, on the way, as he was giving this gift to Paul, a monetary gift, as he was sending it while Paul was in prison, something happened to Epaphroditus, and he became ill. And Finally, he reached Paul, and Paul is writing back and sending Epaphroditus back, and he's trying to encourage the church to have joy in the midst of difficulty and to always rejoice in the Lord. And so we pick up in verse 10. We back, to, we back up to speed? I feel like we are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 picks up. Paul said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You, you are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation to, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And you've probably heard this one before, seen it on a t-shirt, seen it on a poster. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, we're going to look at this passage this morning. I want to do a few things. Number one, I think there's one major emphasis that Paul has here, and it's to be content. Secondly, we need to, uh, we need to dispel some, some false and some bad interpretations of what it means. I, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's not about sports, okay? I feel like everybody thinks it's about sports, but it's not. But in understanding this thing, he's telling them to be content. And in verse 10, he begins to talk about the church's renewed interest in in helping him in the gospel. Now, he notes this in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Remember, rejoicing is a big theme in this letter. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He says, listen, I now know that you are concerned for me, that you care for me. And how does he know that? Well, Epaphroditus was sent with a gift from the church. That that, a gift was a monetary way that they could show, a physical way that they could show their love to Paul and the good news of Jesus. And then it goes on. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And so Paul wants to be very clear to this church. I'm not about your money. I just know this was your money and your gift was a was a a physical way that you could show that you have concern for me. And now you, had op- you didn't have an opportunity before, but now that I'm in jail, you have an opportunity to show me that you love me. Think about an anniversary, if you will. 
those. My wife and I, we have been married for 14 years. I got the math right. I just, I had a moment of terror because I was almost going to say 13, and that would have been bad. We've been married for 14 years. We had our anniversary on July the 10th. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm applauding for her because she stayed with me that long. So, <laughs> there is no gift that I could give her to show her what she means to me, okay? So, I didn't get her anything. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Don't do that. You'll end up dead, okay? Um, but there, why do we get a gift? Can a gift adequately express what it means to love someone? Not, not really. Not its essence. Not even a car, because a car can fade and go away, but love, it's truly love. It lasts and endures, and it, and it bears all things and believes all things and, and all, all the stuff in First Corinthians chapter 13. So even if you got them a car, which if you ever, you know, Christmas will be upon us before you know it, and they have all those terrible commercials where everybody gets a Lexus for Christmas, and you're setting the bar way too high because that's not coming. You're like, you're getting a toaster, okay? <laughs> you're like, Lexus going to show up with the big bow. Um, the, even something large does not adequately express a feeling, but there is... Is, there is something about doing something physical for somebody that expresses that. I mean, it, it's simple as bringing them their favorite meal, and that's what's happening here. Paul doesn't want them to think that he is just grateful for them because he's getting something from them. And he's very clear that he believed that they, they cared for him. They just had the opportunity now to show it through a monetary way, in a physical way. And he wants to be clear. He's thanking them for their gift without trying to sound like he was destitute and needed it because he has something greater than things, and that's a relationship with Christ. And he also wants to make clear that he is appreciative, but he understands their heart behind it all. So in verse 11, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. I loved your gift. I'm glad it shows your love for me. But I'm not speaking, in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So if you are taking notes, you got your own Bible in front of you, or if you got someone else's Bible, go ahead and mark in it. You tell them about it later, okay? All right, just go ahead and circle be content, because that is the major theme. He's saying, listen, I'm thankful. It, it does my heart good to know that you're concerned for me, and your concern is shown in this physical way through this monetary gift, and this is your opportunity, and it reminded me how much you care for me in the gospel. This is great. But I am, I'm not, I, I really appreciate your gift, but I'm not needy because I have learned in every situation to be content. Now he goes on in verse 12 and he says, and he kind of unpacks what every situation could be. And he goes in verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. This being brought low and abounding have to do with finances, okay? It, ha it has the idea of it. It doesn't just, just mean that, but it has the idea of finances. And, and listen, if you've ever had a very, if you've ever had a shortage in the bank account, you know what it means to be brought low. If you have one of those things like, I want something good to eat, but I only got ramen money, okay? Have I ever been there? That one where you're just like, all right, I can pay, I can have water on at the house, or we can go out to eat, and you're like, I guess water is more important, okay? Have you ever been in that thing where you eat what you have to eat as opposed to what you want to eat? You can see those things. And now many of us have never, probably have never been as destitute as many in the world are, but we can understand what it means to abound and, have, and to, to have little. 
And so Paul says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low and have nothing. And I, I, I know how to abound, to have a lot. And then he says in verse 12, in any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so he says, I know how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. I know how to face hunger and I know how to face fullness. I know how to face all of these situations and there is this secret. And it goes back to being content. And I wanted to show you that because here's what contentment is. Now, when we look, look in verse 11, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. He says, not that I have learned, not I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, content, you could think content means complacent. Complacency and contentment are two different things. Complacency is like, eh, whatever. Complacency is seeing something that's wrong, knowing you have the ability to fix it, and being like, eh. Complacency is not what God has called us to complacency is not where we should li live as a church or a people or the people called out from God. Complacency is not the word. And I know, Matt, why are, you sit why are you telling me what's not in there? Because a lot of times when we hear contentment, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to be fine with how life is right now. And I'm complacent. I, can't, I can do other things different. I'm just fine with where we are as a church. I'm fine with where we are. That's not contentment. That's complacency. Not striving for excellence, not striving for serving, not striving after Jesus. That's complacency. That is not contentment. In fact, the word for, that's used for contentment here is only used one time in the New Testament. I'm not going to try to say it because every, try, every time I, I try to say a Greek word, I sound like I'm trying to speak in a uh, Spanish accent, and that's just not good for anyone, okay? But this particular word actually has the idea of being self-reliant, That doesn't, think, that doesn't scream contentment, complacency as we think about contentment. It says that the idea of the word is self-reliant or independence of external circumstances. Now, first off, I want you to get this. Paul, it won't, it won't be good to translate. Contentment is the right way to translate that word. But to understand its definition, because listen, it would really sound... And that wouldn't be what Paul is meaning for, let me translate it differently. I'm translate it like just really woodenly. It would be, not that I'm speaking of being in need, I have learned that whatever situation I'm to be self-reliant. That wouldn't be good. And it wouldn't fit the context. Self-reliance is not, is good in some sense, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ and doing things for Jesus, self-reliance is a bad thing. Because we fail and fall short all of the time. But why does he use this idea of self-reliance, independent of being independent of external circumstances? Because it's related to the last part, which says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this is, this is what contentment is. It's a self-reliance, or it's a reliance, not on self, but on Christ. Contentment is that you are relying that whatever God has brought into your situation, into your circumstances in life, is Father-filtered and God-controlled. And yes, you may be way beyond your abilities to handle it, but he has promised strength and presence. That's what contentment is, is to see whatever, if you bring abundance in my life, 
you're there and you brought it and you sent it and you'll give me strength to handle it. If you give me nothing in my life, if you bring hunger in my life, it's from your hand and you are good and you will do right by me and you will give me the strength to make it. And so I will be content. I will not fight against that. I will not... This basically is a self-sufficiency because of Christ. I don't need anything else but Christ. I need him because he will strengthen me and give me everything I need no matter what situation comes into my life. He will give it. One author said this. He said he meant that he came to grips with his circumstances and fared well through them because of his relationship to Christ. Let me put that in a different way. He's come to grips with his circumstances because of his relationship with Jesus. And now he can make it through relying on Christ. Coming to grips with your circumstances is really difficult. I don't know what's coming to your life. And in fact, over the years, probably some really bad stuff has come into your life. We live in a broken world. You guys know that, right? I tell you what, um, it's, it's interesting when you lose someone. Um, this year, I've lo- I lost my grandmother. And we was, we're thankful that God took her home and that because she was in a lot of pain and suffering. But it is weird how every now and then that pain will resurface in weird ways. I was at the gas pump, and my son said, we're going to go see Granny, or we're going to Granny's house, but she's not there. She's with Jesus. And so I'm at, we're in the middle of nowhere outside of Montgomery, Alabama, and that is the middle of nowhere, okay, until we went to Andalusia, Alabama, and then we went to the middle of nowhere. I mean, like nowhere. I mean, we fell off the planet. The map doesn't even have it on there. So we're standing out of this gas pump, and he says that, and there's this guy in front of me. He's like, he's playing Jason Aldean at the top of, like, getting gas, you know, burning on the dirt road. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where are we? And so he says this to me, and I turn around, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, tears and, like, almost sob well up. And I'm like, you can't cry around Jason Aldean guy. Because he's going to be like, why is this dude from Tennessee, like, weeping? He's like, he was really moved by Aldine's Dirt Road lyrics. I was like, I can't give him that satisfaction. I just have to keep it together. And it welled up, and it came, and it was like, uh, that is the type of stuff. That is the type of thing. We deal with difficulties. We deal with, we, we, we are in a broken, fallen world. It's, it's painful. It's difficult. It's full of trials. And Paul has talked about that with the Philippians, that they should rejoice in this thing. And Paul is saying, I've learned that when every situation, to be content, to be reliant on Jesus, to come to grips with my circumstances, and to thrive, and to make it, because I know that I have a reliance on Christ, and he will be with me. He didn't say you wouldn't go through it. He just promised you'd be, he'd be with you. That's what Paul is saying here. In abundance and lacking, I have learned to be content, to be reliant on Christ, that whatever comes is his will, and that he will give me the strength for today to have it. So contentment is a reliance or a satisfaction in Christ in all situations. And here's the good thing, because immediately two things happened. You said, yes, and then you said, that's not me. (laughs) <laughs> I guarantee you, I did the same thing. Like, yes, that's what it means to, to rely on Christ in every situation, to not be broken down, to know he's there. And then you say, but then stuff happens. And it's like I'm shattered. It's like the weight of everything. It's like, it's like a glass pitcher 
and you have put all this stuff on it, and then you hear the shattering and the breaking, and that's what my life is like. It's like I've been crushed by the weight of life and circumstances and difficulties. And, and yes, I know what it means to be content, and I want to be content, but I'm not content, and I'm still struggling. Well, good news for you in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, but I have learned contentment, reliance on Christ in all situations is something that is learned. The idea of this word learned here is having arrived at a fact of understanding. And Paul has arrived at that fact of understanding, it's evident, by his experiences. What, is his, what are his experiences? In 11 and 12 it says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then he, in verse 12, he talks about, I know how to be brought low and how to abound. So apparently, he's been low and he's abounded. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance, and need. He has been through the spectrum of situations, and through those things, he has learned contentment, reliance on Christ, and the strength that he will provide. It's something that is learned. So, here's the good thing. Be content. Understand what it is, it's reliance on Christ in every situation, knowing that it's coming through him and that he will provide the strength necessary. That's what contentment is. But here's the good news, because like I said, we go, yes, that's right. I believe that. Contentment, yes, reliance on Jesus. And then something happens and we're like, no, no, I'm all alone. This is, my world is falling down around me. This is terrible. What is going to happen? But here's the good news for all of us who struggle, that it can be learned. It can be learned, and how do we learn it? Through situations that God brings into our life and difficulties. So here's the thing. If you're going through something really, really difficult right now, it's not wasted. It's not, it's not wasted. Christ is using it. And you can learn self-reliance, difficulty in marriage. God can use it. Loss of a loved one, God can use it. So many, God can use those things, and He's teaching you to trust Him. And so here is how I can give you one, I can give you one of many examples that God has done that. And I want you, when, whenever I give an example from my, from my life, there is usually one success and a hundred failures. So I wanted you to be very clear about that. But I'll tell you this. We felt the Lord leading us in our last ministry to step away before we had another ministry, which ultimately became this one. We didn't know. We stepped away from that. And when we went from having two incomes to one income, that was really scary. And we left that. And God provided, ultimately, after some lean times, a place where we could come and have a new ministry, okay? In that time, there were some days, like, first off, we did something really dumb. We went to Disney World right after. I lost my job. Let's go to Disney World. I didn't lose it, but I left it. I was like, let's go to Disney World. So I took the, the money they had given us to, when we left, like, as a, like, you know, God bless you money. And we said, oh, Disney World, not the best move, but it was awesome, okay? And as we were at Disney World, I went to Disney World in faith. I want you to know that, okay? I really did because I was believing. I was like, I'm just going to enjoy myself. I've worked really hard at this ministry for a while, and I'm going to enjoy my family and thank God for this. And what happens, lo and behold, he provided. And what really 
set the way for us to walk in faith there was back a couple years before that, about six years ago, seven years ago, when we went to seminary. When we got to seminary, life was terrible. It really was. I, took, I was taking tons of classes all the time. We both had health problems. At the end of seminary, I could barely breathe because Louisville, like every allergen in the world is focused in the Ohio River Valley. If you think it's bad here, go there. All of like the founders of the seminary died from, from like something related to that like in the 1800s. And you're like, I understand why. At the end of it, I was like, <gasps> couldn't breathe. And it was really a tough. I mean, I'm like in my 20s and like can't breathe. and like, we're going to die. And then we were so broke. We were so broke. In fact, this is how broke we were. Now, we had help, okay? But we were broke. The school that Amy worked for said, would you guys like the leftovers from the school lunch? We were like, yeah. So we ate school lunch at dinner time. That was awesome because school lunch is great leftover. That's great the first time, right? Now, I mean, we didn't necessarily have to do that, but we're like, we'll save money and we could go to Walmart and buy something, you know, like pens, I don't know, something, or we could go out to eat. It's exact, am I lying? You're laughing because it's true. And we're like, what is it today? It's like burritos from today. Oh, these rabbit meat in here, what is that? Anyway, God brought us through that. And so five years later, when we went through this other situation, There was trepidation and worry, of course, but what do we say? If we made it through that, then we'll make it through here. If God provided then, he'll provide now. And then I can even bump back a little bit further. My first ministry job, I was making $200 a week, man, which I thought was like gold (laughs) at that time before I got like a grown person paycheck, and I was like, oh, they pay you real money to do things. So then I go back to that one, and I think about all the kids we had, and none of those kids that were in our youth group went to our church, except for the ones that did, and they were worse than the kids that didn't go to our church. And they did so much stuff that, like, we almost had to call police and broke up drug deals and all sorts of weird stuff that happened there. If you want to have, a, if you want to have fun, I'm not going to say that word because we're recording this. I won't tell you what all happened. You come talk to me later, and I'll give you a 411, all right? But if we made it through that, then we can make it through seminary. If we made it through seminary, then we can make it through the lean years. And here's what I want you to see here. Paul has learned through these situations, and if you want to look in Acts, you can walk through it. He has learned how to be in abundance and how to be in need, how to be shipwrecked and how to be in the courts of Caesar. He has learned it all, and he has been content, and he learned contentment through his trials, and struggles. So here's the good news. You might be in a season of difficulty, but it might just be a learning season that prepares you for what's next. And the promise is this, that there is a secret also to being content. Look in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance of need. So he has learned this. He has learned how to be content, and he's learned the secret to contentment. And so he is kind of doing a play on words here. There used to be these, these cults around. These pagan cults had these secret, this secret knowledge that, you, that would, you'd have to be in the cult to find it out. 
And here's the good news. Paul is playing on words and being ironic. He's like, here's the secret. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to unveil this secret, okay? This is not like the secret, like if you, uh, uh, it, that, that Oprah and them have been putting out, like if you just envision it, it'll happen. No, 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 no. This is, I want to show you how to be content and how you can fight for contentment and how you can learn contentment in your situations. Verse 13, which you've seen on plates, you've seen on shirts. You've seen on iBlack. You've seen it on yearbook posts. You've seen it on Facebook. You've seen it everywhere. Here is his secret to being content. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, in essence, he gives us some knowledge that will help us to be content through whatever circumstances come our way. And it is this, that you and I, in Christ, we can do all things through him who strengthens you. Now, most of the way this, use, this verse is used is interpreted is improper. And it's not about football or sports or you accomplishing what you want to know, want to accomplish. I want to put it this way. I want to give you two two safeguards you can cuz listen, here's what happens. Because like some some of us either use it really improperly and get disappointed, okay? Or we're on the other, th- other side of it, and we see people use it um, improperly so much, you're like, I'm just forget that verse because that people, u- people use and abuse that. I'm on this camp most of the time with that verse. In fact, I use it kind of as a joke, okay? Like if Amy says, can you get all those bags of trash? And so here, you know what I do? Because people have used that word so, or used that verse so improperly, <laughs> I say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I take the garbage out. That's stupid, Right? But so is this. Okay, start down. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's get the first. That's also stupid. Does this have anything to do with football or taking out the garbage or anything like that? Or even your own plans and purposes? No. It's in the context of serving Christ and following him. So I'm going to give you two things that are going to help you use this verse. Because here's what I want us to do. I want us to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ with that strengthens me, and not say it in a dumb way, and not saying it in a cynical way. And use the verse and believe the verse that will help us as we are in this process of being made like Christ, and to, and to be content and to glorify him in all things. And so here's two things, okay? This verse is about faithfulness, not accomplishment. Let me say that again. This verse is about faithfulness, not accomplishment. Are you with me out there, everybody? Okay, Let, let's do this. This I want you to, when I I want you to say say faithfulness. One, two, three. Okay, and I want you to say not accomplishment. One, two, three. Okay, so this side I want you to say faithfulness, and this side I'm gonna say not accomplishment. Okay, you with me? It's July. It's okay to do this. All right, all right. I promise. Okay, I want you. When I point to you, faithfulness, you say not accomplishment. Okay. You got it? That you're the faithfulness side. You got me? Nobody's looking at me. Okay. All right. Okay. Not accomplishment. Okay, over here. Oh, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Because I want you to get this, okay? Because here's how it's usually used. This verse is misinterpreted because it is people think it's about accomplishment. And here accomplishment is self-centered. In fact, what it does is, Jesus, here are all my hopes and dreams and what I want to do. 
I'm going to grab this verse, I'm going to name it, I'm going to claim it, and I want you to help me accomplish everything on my to-do list. That's selfish and stupid. In case you don't want to know where I fall on that one, that's just dumb. But we use it all the time. Here's my list, God. I can do all things through Christ's strength. It's me. I can get the big house. I can get the nice car. I can succeed in this. I can win the championship. I can do this. That is not what Paul is talking about. That is self-reliance, self-centeredness. It's basically saying, Jesus, help me fulfill my dreams. And I'm going to use this verse as, as something that I'm going to use out of context to help me be fulfilled in what I want. In this case, your plan comes first, and, G, and then Jesus empowers you to accomplish your own plans. That's not good news. In fact, that goes against discipleship, because what does Jesus say when he calls disciples? Follow me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. So when we go and we look at this verse and we use it improperly and we go and we said, we go the opposite of Jesus' call to discipleship and we're like, I want to accomplish this in my work and I want to da 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 God help me fulfill my dreams. We are doing something anti-Christian. Anti-Christian. Because it's self-centered, it's about accomplishments. In this case, you're saying, Jesus, come help me do what I want to do. And usually, if we get to do what we want to do, it's not good. Let your six-year-old do what they want to do for the whole week. Try it. Like, oh, we're having Sour Patch Kids for dinner. It's going to be delicious. Oh, hey, (laughs) you don't want to wear clothes out? Great, we'll all wear our underoos. That'll be fantastic. We won't get arrested. Oh, you want to watch TV till 4 in the morning and then wake up at 6? Great, that sounds wonderful. Let's do that. I know that sounds rudimentary, and you won't do that because you're not crazy. You won't let your six-year-old rule the house. But I will give you this. Our intellect compared to the vast intellect of God and our broken wills compared to his holiness That's what it's like when we come with this, God, these are my plans. Our plans are like a six-year-old plan in your day. It's just terrible. It's not good for you. And why would we take this verse and abuse it and make it all about our plans when, in fact, we misinterpret? This is not about, this verse is not about accomplishment. This This verse is about faithfulness. Faithfulness is Christ-centered. This says Jesus will help me fulfill his purpose in my life. The other one was like, God, you help me fulfill what I want to do. This one is, I'm following you, Jesus, and you have to give me the strength to do it. This other way, this faithfulness is Christ-centered. In this case, you commit, you're committed to Jesus. You're all in. You're a follower, and you're committed to him, his and his plan, and then Jesus gives us the strength to survive and to thrive. That is the difference. This verse is not about you accomplishing whatever you want to do, and if you use that out of context, you're not naming a promise. You are butchering the scriptures, and then on the other end of it, though, if we get this other way, then it shows this glorious truth about Jesus that he is a power source for those who follow him.
and we are never without strength. In fact, the second thing I want you to know, this verse is about faithfulness, not accomplishments. We often emphasize the wrong part of this verse. Have you ever heard this before? You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, okay? Okay. <laughs> you can screw up if you put the wrong emphasis on something, okay? You always can. Example. <laughs> put the wrong emphasis on a word when you're trying to tell your wife something. You might get murdered, and rightfully so, okay? You ever done it before? Anybody? If you say babe the wrong way, we call each other babe, okay, at times, all right? If you say it in certain ways, babe, hey, can you come here? If you say it nicely, if you say babe, you know what that means? You have messed up. Emphasis can mean a lot. We typically emphasize this because we're an accomplishment culture. We usually emphasize, I can do all things. I can do everything, which is self-defeating and not true immediately. Because if that's the case, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to fly. Jump off. I can do all things. Out of context and not qualified, that verse can be abused, right? I can do all things. I can jump over that mountain. I can do all things. I can do this. Wrong emphasis. That's not unimportant. Out of context, the wrong emphasis is wrong. But the real thing, the real secret is in this, in he who strengthens you. The emphasis is not on your accomplishment. It's on his empowerment. That Jesus is the power source, and he will give all strength. So to be content is a reliance on Christ. It can be learned through our circumstances. And the secret to knowing contentment is that you can do all things through Christ, qualified, understood. He can strengthen you to do whatever you need to do to follow him. He empowers our Christian life. And I get, you, you need to know this. You cannot live a life as a disciple unless you are strengthened and empowered by God. I just can't do it. You can't find contentment and, and reliance on Jesus in every situation, the ebb and flow of life, unless you have a reliance on him and you know that he is the strength giver. Now, here's what I want us to do this morning. Remember what Paul, in this letter, he said about 15 times, he said rejoice. And I want you to rejoice with me for a minute. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Understanding all things is being faithful to him as you follow him. And he will supply the strength that you don't have. So here's why we can rejoice. Jesus will, sup will supply the strength needed for the situation at hand. Yesterday, I had a lot of plans that I wanted to accomplish. But we have been going for about four re weeks solid with camps and VBS and everything and I still, man, I, you ever have those lists? Like, I always have this list, and I want to do it, and I want to accomplish it. And I got up, and I did two things. And then I said, I'm going to eat lunch and then sit on the couch for about 30 minutes. 30 minutes turned into a long time. Netflix kept saying, are you still watching? And I'm like, yes, okay. 
And it just, it just, yes, I had to, you might know, it might feel me. It was like, it was like, uh -huh, yeah, I'm going to watch that. And my son came in and was like, are you going to watch that all day? And I was like, maybe. Don't judge me. And he's like, all right, if I can watch YouTube. And I said, today you can, bro. Have some fun. We laid. We, we were like sloths, okay? We moved so slowly. At one point, it was like dinner time, and we had no food in the house, like literally well, not literally, but pretty close to no food in the house and nothing we wanted to eat. And, I, and we were like arguing like, babe, you know, we got the wrong emphasis, okay? We were like, babe, you want to go? Oh. So we finally, we crawled to the car, you know, got in, went and got something, came back, and then just died again because we were just, our strength reserves were at zero. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> You might binge watch this afternoon. It's raining. Netflix, you just keep saying, yes, I'm here. Here, here's what I want you to get. We, our strength is finite. That's why he's given us a day of rest. That's why he's given us Christ, who is our rest from our labors. Well, our strength is, is, is depleted from the being low from financial problems, for need, from loss. When our strength is at nothing, he is the power source. And that's why this verse is great. Not because it's about accomplishment, but it's about faithfulness. And most importantly, it's about God's faithfulness and that he will supply the strength needed. You don't have to have the strength for tomorrow today. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worry of its own, and your Father will care for you. And so here is the idea, is, is God's going to supply the strength. We know this also, looking in the Bible, that our mercies are, his mercies are new every morning. So we wake up, and we have a new bank account full of mercy. And so we don't have to get up and live in regret anymore. We confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And we got new mercy every day. So we don't, have to, we don't have to keep trying to be better. We just wake up and we follow again. His mercy is new. He supplies the strength. And as Corey Tin Boone said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And so here's the thing. You might be weak and, low and, and, and worn out, but here's the thing. If you would just keep going and following Jesus, he will empower you to be faithful because he is faithful. And he will give you the strength that you need when you need it. And that's worth rejoicing. That's better than saying, here's my plans. I'm going to use this verse out of context to try to make you accomplish what I want, God. No, the way it's used is Paul is following Jesus, and he is in prison for following Jesus. And he's saying, I know how to be at the heights, and I know how to be at the depths, but I've learned this secret, and that's this, to that in Christ... I can do all things. I can be faithful and follow him because he strengthens me. He supplies the power that I need. I don't know about you, but I've been having problems with my cell phone battery. It's probably because they put some kind of thing on, like the new update is draining the battery dry because they want you to buy a new phone. But I am stubborn and I'm not going to do it because those things are expensive. And so... You know what I have to do now? 
plug my phone in more than I should, which doesn't help the battery life, which is funny. You know what I mean? It's just like this endless cycle. But if you've ever been in that place where you absolutely desperately need your phone to work and you have no power, it's bad. In fact, I had this a couple years ago, several years ago now. I took some kids to New York City on a mission trip. That's the most terrifying thing I've ever done. I woke up and I was like, that is like a city of millions of people. And I'll be sending kids all over the place in Brooklyn and Harlem and the Bronx. And we stayed in Spanish Harlem in a hostel, which was, I wouldn't recommend it. And so anyway, I did all this stuff. And so I was so worried because at the time I had this old phone that drank battery. It was like my battery lasts for four hours. And I had to go take these kids. I had to have this battery. So I bought these batteries, these little small ones that you could charge. You, you plug them in, and you just plug it into your phone, and it would charge that thing, and it would keep it alive for that much longer. And I want you to see that. You know how great it was when you're getting 2%, and you're like, I have to have this, and then you plug the battery, you plug the supply in. And all of a sudden, as it's about to expire, power and strength returns. The emphasis is not on your accomplishments in this verse. It's not an I can do all things. The emphasis is on him who strengthens us, who gives us the power. He does it day by day. Remember how he fed the children in the wilderness? Could they store up the manna, the bread from heaven that appeared? No. What happened? happened. Day by day it would appear, except for on the Sabbath day when he would give two and that would, that would last then. Why did he do that? Because we have to live in the strength that he supplies when he supplies it. Luke chapter 12 when the disciple, Jesus says a bunch of, if you ever read the Bible, if you read the Gospels, he tells as much good stuff as he tells the disciples, he tells them some awful stuff. And he says, when I leave, there are going to be these religious leaders that are going to persecute you and hate you and try to kill you and drag you in front of synagogues and courts, and they're going to try to murder you, and you're going to have to give a defense. What? <laughs> you imagine that? Like, I thought we were fishers of men, and well, I was going to follow you, and you're going to make life multiply like you did with the bread and the fish, and then you're saying this stuff, okay. Then he, he, okay, and he, then he says, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. That's the point. You don't have to have the strength. In fact, you don't. You just have to keep walking in faithfulness, believing, and he will strengthen those who are his. He will give you the strength even to believe when you don't feel like you can believe another second. How good is God? Because you're all, you're all your reserves might be run through, and you might just be on empty in a relationship, in a situation. But if you're truly following him and you have seeded your plans to his plans, which is what it means to be a disciple, there is a sure promise. You can do it. He will, survive, he will provide the power. You can have reliance on Christ. In the highs and the lows, he's there. You have strength. You have strength. Not in you, but in him. It's through Christ and his sacrifice that we have strength. 
I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing that song we sang earlier, You Are My Strength. So I'm going to invite both Amy's to come back up, too. Let's pray together. Father, you're good to us. You are our strength. We can do all things, which means to follow you, which is impossible without your empowerment, through Jesus who strengthens us. You are an infinite source of strength. And to those who are weary today, help them to know that. For those who are lost and in the power and in sin's power, Lord, help them to know today that if they would turn from their sins and trust Christ, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And they can know the strength that is in your name. You are mighty to save. God, as we stand and sing, renew our strength even as we fade away. You're good to us, Lord.
You can have a seat. We're going to invite our offering team to come forward. Um, just want you to remind you that if, if you need ministering to or whatever, I'm around. Come come grab me at the end of the service. Love to talk to you about, about whatever's going on in your life. Um, so good to be here. And as we're passing around um, the offering, just want you to make you aware of a couple of things. Uh, first off, next Sunday is, is going to be usually is our <clears throat> the fourth Sunday is we're going to do our, we've been doing our family Sunday, which means we have no big kids. But we're going to back that up a week so we can finish up the book of Philippians. And so it's the last Sunday in July will be our family Sunday where we'll have the big kids up with us. Just wanted you to know that. Um, also, second thing is many of you have seen the wonderful Journey shirts that are, have been popping around here, and many of you missed your chance to grab one. However, we, we don't want you to be left out. We believe that if you want some shirts, you can have them. We're not making any money off this, by the way. We just want you to look good, okay? And uh, so, and if you serve, it's a good way to say, hey, look where I'm serving. So, um, a, uh, if you want to order a shirt, pre, it's going to pre-order for the next round. It's going to be the same designs as before. We're going to pre-order starting. Oh, there you go. That's one of them. That's one of the three. Oh, that's the second one. And yeah, there we go. That's awesome. We got you guys in the back rocking and rolling. Um, there'll be. We're going to start pre-ordering next week. So if you want it, the cost is going to be twelve dollars um, each. Or if you buy three or more, they go down to ten dollars. So we'd love to have you. If you didn't get a chance to order, we know some of you were real bummed and you didn't get a chance to order. We want to make sure you had that opportunity. So we'll start doing the pre-order uh, for that next week. Um, anyway, and also just so you know, the 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 Journey softball team, we won our first game. So yeah, way to go, guys. Just wanted to make sure we, we announced that, so um, we're awesome. Um, anyway, uh, go ahead, and if you would, stand. Go with these words of benediction. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. Know what that means. Remember, it's not about your plan. It's about his. But walk in the strength that he provides. You're dismissed. God bless you. <laughs>